Welcome to the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, the Director of Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bible Teacher at the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about our work to make Christ known among the nations, go to traincpe.org. Or to discover more about this radio ministry or our fellowship in Boise, go to breadoflifeboise.org. We have a new website we want to steer you to. It's savingevangelicals.com. It'll link you to the website testyourtestimony.com. There you'll find an interactive experience that guides you in testing your testimony of faith. 2 Corinthians 13.5 commands those in the church to do just that. It says, test yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. So go to savingevangelicals.com or testyourtestimony.com and take the test. Our message today is a study in the story of our Lord Jesus' healing of ten lepers. Ten of them went away rejoicing in getting what they wanted, what they needed from God. In the story, only one goes back to give thanks to the Lord, and he it is who got what God wanted to give him. Here's what we learned from our text right off the bat. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. These 10 lepers had banded together and shared their miseries together, and the leprosy that they were experiencing is and was a brutal disease. These 10 shared the company of its brutality. This disease had caused swelling to come upon the extremities of their body. Ulcerations would come upon those extremities as well. Their skin would turn dusky and muddy and deeply furrowed. Their faces, as the disease progressed, would begin to take on the appearance of a lion's face. The ulcerations that came upon them would grow deep and penetrate and spread, causing mutilations upon their faces and their lips and their ears and their hands and their feet and These lepers would have to go about according to the custom of the day as the disease progressed upon them. Many times it caused their hair to fall out and they would have to go about with their heads uncovered. That was the command. At the same time, they had to go about with their faces covered. That was also a part of the expectation of that day. And as they went about, if they saw an individual coming near them, they were to cry out to that individual, unclean, unclean. They were to dress in clothes that were expressive of an individual who was mourning death. When they mourned someone who died in those days, they would throw dirt on themselves and they'd tear their clothes and that's the way they were to dress. They would appear as those going about in a state of the mourning of death. And one rabbinic said that if they had a wind at their back, they would have to remove themselves at least 50 yards from the person in front of them in order to maintain and protect those individuals from the disease that they had. And you think of the great, tremendous alienation that was upon their lives. They lived their lives in that sense of alienation, along with all the physical miseries that they were enduring. And as it progressed, it would take away their voices and it would take away their eyesight. And this is what these men were going through. This is what these men were experiencing. And these ten found with one another a shared misery in this. We see here that one of those that was among them was a Samaritan. Now, A non-Jew like this would normally be thought of as an outcast. He'd be thought of somebody who was unfit for fellowship with other Jews. But this greater misery that they were all experiencing, that they all shared, made them surprisingly equals at the bottom. And they were fellowshipping with one another. Now they learn that coming through their region is Jesus of Nazareth. And they've heard proceeding before him the rumors of his miraculous power and his ability to bring healing to individuals. This stirs up within them some hope that possibly maybe he could cure them. At least they were willing to try him for this. 
They made an agreement together, they banded together, they cry out together, they make an appeal to Christ together for mercy or that he would have pity upon their miserable, miserable physical condition and the profound social isolation that they were experiencing together. They lift up their infirm voices as one, they call out to Jesus, Master, which basically means rabbi or teacher, have pity on us, have pity on us. Earlier in Luke chapter 5, we have the story, or we read about the story of the healing of one leper who came to the Lord Jesus. He came to the Lord Jesus, he fell down before the Lord Jesus, he said to the Lord Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. On that occasion, we're told that the Lord Jesus extended his hand out and touched the man, which was quite wonderful, quite miraculous. No one would touch a leper, it would defile them. Uh, we read in scriptures, throughout the scripture, that when individuals touched a dead body or they touched a leper or someone was diseased in that way, that there was a defilement that would come upon them and they would have to go to the temple and they'd have to make sacrifices and they have to go through a series of cleansing to remove from them the defilement that was represented or that came upon them in the death that was represented in the disease or sickness of that individual they had touched or in the first dead body that they had touched. And that death ultimately was a portrait of the impact and influence of sin. It made people defiled. And so to remind them of the defiling nature of sin and the consequences of sin, which is death, whenever they touched somebody who was dead or somebody who had this walking death that leprosy was upon them, they would have to cleanse themselves. In this passage, in Luke chapter 5, this leper comes to the Lord Jesus, and where everyone else who touches the defiled becomes defiled themselves, the Lord Jesus, in his righteousness and utter holiness, touches the defiled, and he becomes clean. He makes the man clean as he touches the dead and brings life to them. Christ was not impregnated or touched by the wickedness and sin of this world, but he was capable and is capable of conferring upon those who come to him his holiness and his righteousness and his health. And he did that for that man on that occasion. Jesus said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And he laid his hand upon him and the man was made whole. But on this occasion... The Lord Jesus doesn't touch these ten. They're following the protocols. They're standing afar off. They're crying out. Possibly before they even cried out, have mercy on us, they yelled out, unclean, unclean. Before the Lord Jesus, the entourage that was following him, and they paused for a moment, and they cried out, Jesus, Rabbi, have mercy on us. As they stood afar off, the Lord Jesus doesn't go to them. He doesn't walk among them. He doesn't touch them. Instead, he tells them to go and present themselves to the priest. In the Levitical law that ruled and governed the people at that day, there was a provision made for lepers who had been cured or cleansed of their skin condition and healed, that having been cured or healed, that they could go to the priest, and the priest would observe them and watch over them, and they could be declared clean. And after that, they were given certain washings they were to observe and certain sacrifices they were to make, and then they could be brought back into the mainstream of Jewish life. They could be brought back into the mainstream of the social life that they had been banished from because of their disease. They could be brought back to the places and go back to the places of worship and be reestablished in those places. And so when the Lord Jesus says to them, go and present yourself to the priest, there is intimated in what he's saying to them a promise that if they go, they would be healed. And they seize hold of what is intimated there and they make their way to go find the priest who reside in the region where they're at. And as they go, still in their diseased state, still in the misery, as they depart, and go out in obedience and with a measure of faith. And as they make their way to the priest, a surge of energy and health begins to come upon them. And something begins to change in their gait and their walk. And 
They began to look upon one another as they were speaking to one another. Voices became more and more clear. And they began to look upon one another and they saw each individual around them, their faces transforming, their skin pulsating with blood rushing through it and their complexions returning and their maimed faces and their maimed hands and their maimed feet and their lurching bodies walking straight and pure again. And they paused to explore and celebrate and recognize the healing that had come upon one another. What a wonderful fellowship that was. When they were looking at one another and seeing what God had done for one another and the healing that had come upon them. And then after this time of great celebration and now they had shared their misery together and now they share this wonderful miracle together. And then following this, they all determined to go back on and move on to go and present themselves to the priest in order that they might put their lives back in order, in order that they might get on with the things that they'd lost and been missing during the time of their sickness. So the moment of celebration ends and the determination of them is to go on to present themselves to the priest, but one doesn't follow them. One determines to stop, not to proceed and go on to put his life back in order and to get on with the social setting that he's been missing out upon, but one determines to go back. He is not satisfied to only celebrate his healing. He must go back and celebrate the one who healed him. And he returns to give thanks to Jesus. And before Jesus, he collapses and gives in a loud voice his glory to God. And this is a man is a Samaritan. The others were Jews. And there's another distinction for this man. This man who returns and falls at the Lord Jesus, from the Lord Jesus to him comes these words alone. Your faith has made you well. Now I think we need to discern something from what the Lord Jesus is saying to him. Because if you remember in our story, all of them were cured of their leprosy. And so the Lord Jesus is pressing in his words and his language something beyond merely physical healing. He's making a declaration over this Samaritan that goes beyond simply that he is been physically healed, he's declaring a statement and a declaration of the man's deeper spiritual need and his spiritual condition. The Samaritan has been healed of the deep death that leprosy is only an exemplary expression of. He's been healed from his sins and from the death that his sin brings upon him, and he's been made whole from that spiritual death. The others had shared a physical healing with him on that occasion, but only the Samaritan, only the Samaritan, comes to know, at least at this time, the spiritual wholeness or salvation that comes from Jesus and is at the heart of Christ's greatest work. The Lord Jesus points out to him that though all ten had been cleansed of their physical defilement, only he had returned to give glory to God. And it's just this one, just to this one, that Jesus declares, your faith has made you well. In Luke chapter 7, there's another account here. It's the account of a woman who has a great reputation as a sinner in her community. The Lord Jesus is in the home of a Pharisee by the name of Simon. And he's eating with Simon. And this woman who has a reputation, we don't know exactly what her sin was, but whatever it was, everybody knew about it. And it was such that it was somewhat of a scandal to everyone around her, an offense to everybody around her. But she has experienced something from the Lord Jesus. She has prior to this encountered the Lord Jesus and drawn from the Lord Jesus the one thing she needed above everything else, forgiveness. 
She's been forgiven and she's been set right and she's had the burden of her sin removed from her life and she's experienced an inner cleansing from the sin that had come upon her and she's been set free from the estrangement and alienation that she had with God and it it so overwhelms her that she comes to this place where Christ is meeting and eating with Simon. She bows before the feet of the Lord Jesus, offering her praise to God. She breaks a vessel of perfume or ointment over the feet of the Lord Jesus and she weeps for joy and out of love upon those feet and she begins to wash his feet with her hair And the Lord Jesus says these words to her, your sins are forgiven you. And the Lord Jesus also says, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Key phrase, your faith has saved you, go in peace. Those words, your faith have saved you, are the exact Greek words that we have here when Christ speaks to the Samaritan. Arise, go your way, says to him. Your faith has made you well, your faith has saved you. Something more than just the physical healing that these others had realized that the Lord Jesus offers and declares over this Samaritan leper. Something in the faith of the Samaritan was in this moment different from that which came to the other nine lepers. All of them had a measure of faith. Each of them had experienced a measure of blessing in that faith. Only one met with these words of confirming salvation. I want to give you a brief description of the faith of this leper, or we want to see something of the progress of what we will say is saving faith. That faith of the leper that brought to him this wonderful confirmation of salvation. And what we want to see here first is this, just very briefly, we see that it began with thankfulness. It began with thankfulness that led him to a person. It began with thankfulness that caused him to return to that person. It began with a thankfulness that led him to surrender and lay his life down before that person. And it evoked from his lips glory to God before that person. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to Bread of Life Boise. Until the next time, God bless you.